following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. But this morning, we're talking about this reality of how God is so good, He's got amazing plans for His people. And this is a theme that runs throughout the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. We see God says, I know the plans I have for you. They're not to harm you. They're to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. So God's got plans. He's got a future. Uh, this, This theme ties throughout the Bible in Ephesians. Paul says that God created you to do good works that he had established before you were even born. So the reality is there is destiny in the life of a believer There's God's plan and his purpose and his will. It's kind of like the zone, if you will, the zone that you and I are supposed to be in, the zone that if you and I are walking according to the word and according to the spirit, we will be in this zone with the living God. And when we're in that zone, we're walking and fulfilling that destiny. When we're outside of God's will, we're not. And we're looking at that today. In the the Bible, the Old Testament used the analogy of the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan was the promised land. And the way it started out is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived in the promised land. And then after Israel being down in Egypt for 400 years, they wander back through the desert and they're going back to the land of promise. And God keeps telling them, this is the land of promise. It's your destiny. It's where you, were, it's where you belong. God's saying you weren't made for the desert. You were made for that. So keep walking with me. Keep walking in faith and you're going to inherit this promise. And so the reality is, as we're trying to walk in this, in this promise of God, as we're trying to get in on this destiny, as we're trying to get in on the fulfillment of what God's calling us to, the devil does everything he can to throw obstacles our way. And he's quite good at it. See, he can't take away your destiny. He can't thwart God's plan. He knows that. But if he can put some obstacles in the way that will take your eyes and my eyes off the prize, if he can put some stumbling blocks in the way that will trip us up, he's quite successful. He's been doing it for a long time. Today we're looking at a passage with Israel. They're looking at the promised land. They're just about to get in on the inheritance. The devil throws a couple of obstacles, stumbling blocks in the way, and it depends on how you navigate those as to whether you get in the land of promise or you stay out of it. And I want to stress this because it's such a big deal. Uh, God's got promises for you. He's got his will. The Bible says his true and perfect will. Romans tells us that we can know his will, we can test his will, and we can walk in his will. It's such an important place for you and I to walk in God's will and get in on the promises and the destiny and, and, and really the inheritance, if you will, for what he has for us. Not just heaven when we get there, but walking out the abundant life in the kingdom of God here and now on earth. The devil throws counterfeits. He throws obstacles. And today we're looking at an enormous obstacle that comes up in Israel's life. Now, to me, this is such an important topic. We we talk about God's will and destiny and vision a lot in the new year. That's a really good time to get our adjustment focused uh, right and dialed in. But what we don't talk enough about is the obstacles that the devil puts in the way. Uh, the giants in the land, if you will. See, when Israel was about to go into the land, they're like, yeah, things are looking good, but there's some giants in there. 
And if the truth were told in your life and in my life, there are some giants in the land. And how we respond to those giants, how we respond to those obstacles, determines everything. And in Israel's life, they didn't respond too well. There were some mixed responses to these obstacles. But it's, so, it's such an important topic. We're going to do a, a series uh, beginning next week. Today is the intro to it. It's an intri- introduction on facing the giants. We're going to look at the giants, the obstacles that the devil sets up in your life and in mine to keep you and me paralyzed, to keep us out of the promises God has for us. And we're going to set up each one. There's specific obstacles, and these are the most common obstacles in the life of a believer. And we're going to deal with each one and just knock them down. We're going to look at the word and the spirit, what God says about these things and what the Bible says are about our identity. And we're going to address some of these main obstacles one by one and just knock them down. So I really want to encourage you guys to uh, jump into this series and take it to heart because the reality is There are areas in your life that might be different from the person next to you, but all of us in the room have different obstacles. We have different giants in our lives. Some of them may be because of our past, maybe circumstances we've gone through, maybe just some based on our nature or our personality, but some things God wants to call us beyond those things. But what typically happens is people stop in their tracks. There's usually a paralysis that happens. And like Israel, instead of moving forward, There's usually a pause and we stop. If you and I don't identify the giants in our life, we will never get beyond them. If we don't identify them, we'll do what we've always done. We'll see them, we'll turn around and we'll go the other way. And God doesn't want us to do that. For you and I to inherit the promise he has, we gotta go through some stuff. And today we're looking at a snapshot on that. We're talking today about perceiving our obstacles. Again, this is gonna set up a Facing the Giant series. If you have your Bible, if you open to Numbers 13, we're going old school today in the Old Testament. Uh, Numbers 13, it's a really cool passage. Uh, some of you are pretty familiar with this passage. This is the setup. Israel's been wandering in the desert for 40 years. Finally, they're looking at the promised land. They're just outside of it. And all of a sudden, there's this concern that how are we gonna take this land? God said, And he says the same to a believer. I'm giving you the land, but you have to possess it. I'm giving it to you, but you have to occupy it. And like Israel, sometimes we're not really good at possessing the land or occupying the land. We have reasons, we have excuses, we have maybe personality things or past experiences that that we look at some of these giants in the land and we turn around and go the other way. We will never fully get in on the inheritance that God has. And I don't mean an inheritance that's a Christian utopia. Um, When they entered this promised land, it wasn't everybody sit back and swing in your hammock and drink your lemonade with the little umbrella in your cup. That's not what the promised land was about. But it was a place of God's promise. And it was a place of God's blessing. And there was going to be work to be done to occupy the land and to possess it. But it was the zone, the area, the destiny that God called them to, to And there's places in our lives that he's calling us to. And unless we come to terms with the giants and we learn how to navigate obstacles the right way, unless we do, we're never going to fully get in on what God has for us. So in Numbers 13, we're going to look at this in sections. It starts out in verse 1. It said, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving the Israelites. 
from each ancestral tribe sent one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. This next section gives all their names and what tribes they're from, but it moves on in verse 17 and says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and out into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kinds of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So here's the setup on this part too. They're about to send spies into the land. They're about to go scope it out, so to speak. They're about to go see what it looks like and they're gonna send in some spies. In the book of Deuteronomy, God already told them what this land looks like. God already told them who the people are, what it's like. He told them everything about the land. But if you go back to Deuteronomy, you find out that the people are saying, yeah, that sounds good, God, but can we see it with our own two eyes? I appreciate what you're saying, but can we go look ourselves? Can we check it out? And even God, though God was saying, you don't need to, I'm telling you, trust me, the people were saying, no, we really need to see with our own eyes. And so God said, fine, if that's the way you need to do it. He allowed them to go see it with their own eyes. But God already told them who was there, told them everything about it. And so this is where obstacles begin in our life, I would say. It's our nature, your nature and mine, that we have the habit of wanting to walk by sight and not by faith. It seems to be the human nature. We just want proof. We want the facts. We want to figure out the reasons it might work, and we want to figure out the reasons why it might not work. That's the natural man. That's the carnal man. That's not walking in the spirit. When God Almighty says, this is what it is, walk in it. When God Almighty says, I have a land for you, I've got a destiny, a promise, walk in it. We don't necessarily sit down and have to figure out all the reasons why it's not going to work, but that is what Israel did. And so the biggest issue, the first thing we need to get down, if you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. When it comes to navigating our obstacles, when it comes to figuring out how to deal with these things as they come up, um, the first one is we have to walk by faith and not by sight. If, if we don't walk by faith and we walk by sight, every single obstacle we see will stop in our tracks and try to go around it or walk back the other way. Every obstacle we see, we will always have a reason why it can't be done and why God must be not in the mix or why God somehow didn't come through. We're gonna have all kinds of reasons if we walk by sight. But we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. If you look at Israel in this passage, their land of promise came by faith and so does yours. Your land of promise comes by faith. I'm not just talking about heaven when you get there. Yes, we're saved by grace through faith. Yes, heaven's a reality and that's the ultimate destiny. destiny. But you weren't made just for heaven. You were made, as we said in the beginning, to do good works which God established before you were born and before I was born. There is a plan, a promise, a future, and a hope that God has for us to walk out. It's our destiny on earth. It's his design. And Israel would only possess the land through faith. And the same with you and me. 
If we, if we walk by sight, you and I are not going to fully get in on what God has. And yes, there are obstacles. And yes, there are some giants. But if we walk by sight, we won't get in on that. And so that's the first thing to note on this. It moves on in verse 21. It says, so they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob toward Lebo, Hamath. Then went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahiman and Sashai and Talmai, the descendants of Anak lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zon in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkal, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Ishkal because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. So these 12 spies go out. The 12 spies are from each of the tribe. An interesting way to look at this, and you know, I've read this many times, but each time you read it, you see something new, you see something fresh. It's each tribe sent a representative to go see what it looks like and come back and report. Some of us represent our family in faith. You stand on behalf of your family. What is God doing? What is God showing you? And and depending on how you see things, may have a radical effect on those around you. This is important to note. There's 12 spies went into the land and they represented their tribes. And you represent your tribe. And what you see matters dramatically and how you process and how you walk in faith or sight matters dramatically, not just for you, but for those around you. And that's a pretty tall order. So if we're going to walk in promise, it's more than just ourselves. It's those around us. Well, these 12 spies, they go on this journey. Uh, when we look at the text, it's about a 500-mile round trip. It took them about 40 days to do this trip. And here's the big day. The big day is they come back and they're ready to report. Now, Israel had been wandering through the desert 40 years. Finally, we're at the land. Finally, we think we're going to go in. Finally, we're not sure. We want to hear the report yet. I know God promised us and all, but we need to check it out with our own two eyes. Finally is the day, and they come back with this big report. This is exciting. They can't wait. Is there milk and honey in the land or not? And it goes on, verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But, but, but the people who live there, they're powerful. And the cities are fortified, very large. We saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Termites. I mean, uh, the Amorites. (laughs) They live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for certainly we can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there 
of gra- were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So the 10 spies go out. There's 12 of them all. But 10 of them, they say, yes, there was blessing. And so to speak, it's milk and honey. The, 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 the soil is fertile. And two guys carried one single cluster of grapes. And I don't know if you realize how big that would be. It'd be an enormous, enormous cluster of grapes. Two guys are carrying this on a pole. So they come back and say, the fruit is amazing. The ground is awesome. Yes, there is fruit and honey. We're not going to deny what God said. It is a land of promise that way, fruit and honey. And then they added the famous but. But. Yes, but. This is where we got to be careful, church. Because as a family of believers who's walking in the promises of God, you and I can do the same thing. You and I can say, yeah, I know God is leading me this way or calling me to this, but, but, here's the problem. And oftentimes we come up with an obstacle. We define the obstacle and based on the obstacle, we stop, we stop and we go the other way. Oh yeah, God may have a plan here and a promise, but... He either overlooked this or didn't tell me this or whatever the case is, we come up with a yeah, but. And and when that happens, it's usually a sign of unbelief. If God called you to a land and you know God called you to it, let me qualify that. If it's something you know God is calling you to, you know it's part of the destiny, the design, the promise, the things that he's calling you to, when you know that and say yeah, but, it is a sign of unbelief and it's, it's a way that we tend to justify. Me and you as believers, we can get very pragmatic and we can start figuring out why things will work or why they won't work. And this is not walking by faith. It's walking by sight. And the 10 spies did exactly this. There, yes, there's a promise, but let me just tell you why this won't work. Hmm. I've figured out why this can't work. Because there might be a promise, but, and this is exactly what the 10 spies We've got to be careful because this doesn't only affect them. It affects everyone around them. There's something about faith, you guys. See, your, your faith, <laughs> it's more contagious than you think it is. Your faith is more contagious than you think it is. But also, so is your doubt. Lack of faith is contagious as well. And we're looking at a case study right here where 12 guys come back, two with contagious faith and 10 of them with contagious doubt. And it doesn't just affect them. It affects everyone around them. And so these guys, they're processing this report. And when they come back from the land, yes, there's fruit and honey, and there's milk and honey flowing, and there's grapes. But they really didn't come back with any report that God didn't already tell them about the land. Uh, So it wasn't the facts that changed. It was really their interpretation of the facts. Now, this is important. Because the facts, we don't walk in ignorance to the facts around us. We walk in faith. Faith doesn't mean ignorance to the things around us. We walk wise as serpents, gentle as doves. No one builds a house without counting the cost. We walk as discerning people of the Most High God in knowledge and in wisdom. Yes. Wise is the counsel of many. Yes. But if you know God's calling you to something, it's not just the facts, it's the interpretation of those facts. See, some people look at a glass and say, praise God, I was thirsty, and that glass is... That glass is halfway full and this is going to treat me real well right now and drink that down. And other people are say, 
I can't believe it. I'm thirsty and it's halfway empty. <laughs> what am I going to do with that glass that's halfway empty? It's not the facts. It's the interpretation of the facts. When God's calling you to a land of promise, it wasn't the facts. It was their interpretation. And the second point this morning, and this is an important one to take home. By definition, faith interprets differently. Faith, your faith and in mine, has to interpret things differently than those around you. That's what faith does. If your faith doesn't, uh, if your faith doesn't interpret things differently, then it's really not faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of the unseen. It, it sees beyond the problem and the obstacle by definition. It's not just the facts. It's the interpretation of the facts. And if God said it, I believe it and I'm walking in it. And so I know this is specific, but this is specific to areas in your life that you sense God is calling you to a deeper thing. He called you out with a plan, a promise, a destiny, a hope, and a future. I don't know if you've come to terms with part of that or what some of that looks like. Maybe you might say, I don't know all of it, but it's not including that. But I think it includes this. And as you pray and seek God and check his word and and seek his spirit to be led, as you're walking in that zone, if you will, the destiny obstacles will come up. And if you and I walk by sight instead of faith, we'll wreck along the way. And if you and I don't interpret the facts differently, we'll be no different than the 10 spies. Really important. Faith interprets the facts differently. See, their interpretation, if you want to break it down, it wasn't just on what they saw. It was really on what they did not see. You see, they they saw the problems, they got the facts right, but what they failed to see, they failed to see God Almighty. They failed to see Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh. They failed to see him, the God who, who delivered them from Egypt and parted the seas and water from a rock and manna from heaven and led them by a cloud by day and fire by night. God Almighty, I will never leave or forsake you. I will make my dwelling among you and I'm giving you the land and you have to possess it. They didn't see him. No, they didn't see him. Oh, they saw the problems, all right. They got them very well documented. 500 miles of problems. 40 days of problems. Yep, milk and honey, here's your grapes. Okay, let me move on to the problems. Why this can't happen and why it won't happen. All 10 of them agree. It's unanimous. Oh, well, so much for that plan. And as a result, a whole nation gets hijacked. And as you and I represent our families in faith, we can, things can get hijacked too if we don't interpret differently, guys. Really, really important. They fail to see God. Uh, and that's what unbelief does, guys. Unbelief sees the, the obstacles, but faith sees the opportunities. And, and, and that's what our unbelief will do. Our unbelief will see every single obstacle. And we don't walk in ignorance. We're not saying those obstacles aren't there. Of course they're there. We see them. We get it. But are we determined by the obstacle? If the obstacle determines your direction, giants are going to stop you your whole life. And God didn't make you to be stopped by giants. God made you to go through giants in his power. And that's why we're doing a whole series that we can identify these giants and just start knocking them down because that's what you were made for. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Amen. And part of this destiny is getting in on this stuff and not seeing a giant and going, oh no, heavens to Murgatroyd. And, 
and just flipping out in fear because there are giants in our life. Some of them are from our past. Some of them are from our things we've been through. Some are based on our personalities. But whatever it is, we don't get into the land of promise because we're paralyzed with fear. There's a paralysis that sets in. And we see the obstacles, and that's all we see. But we don't see God in it, and we don't see the opportunity in it. And so um, this is what they say. And this is an interesting snapshot of people that don't interpret things properly. When, when faith interprets things, we see it one way. And when fear interprets, we see it another way. But this is what they say. This is their own words. The people there were strong. Their cities were walled up. And there were giants in the land. People are like, what? <laughs> Walled cities and strong people are one thing. Giants? You mean giants? Yep, we saw them. Really? Giants. Whoa. How, what are we going to do with that? I mean, we can deal with some cities with some walls. There's some methods to deal with that. There are strong people and, you know, we'll try to find their weak point here and taking this land. By the way, this is their land. It belongs to Israel. They're really taking it back if you look at the story. But when you talk about giants... That's an unknown variable. It seems almost impossible. And, you know, in the Bible, when you look at giants, there are, in our lives, some giants in the land. And we don't want to walk in ignorance to the giants. But we fail to remember that we serve a giant slaying God. We fail to remember that. And David remembered that. He wasn't ignorant. He didn't walk out on the field going, Where's the little guy I'm going to fight? Oh, he's a giant. Oh, I didn't know. No, David was aware the guy was enormous. He realized it's a giant. But he's like, you forget, you're torment the armies of the living God. And I come to you in his name. And it is him who's going to destroy you today. He's going to use a kid to take you out, sir. Because I serve a giant slaying God. David's not saying, look at me. Look what I could pull off. He's saying, I serve a giant slaying God. Today, sir, you are going down and you will no longer torment the armies of the living God. And the rest is history. We serve a giant slaying God. And as the devil puts obstacles in your life and in mine, which he does and he will continue to do, if we don't discern these obstacles and navigate differently, we won't get in on the promises. We won't get into our land of Canaan. It's not going to be perfect. There's blessing there. There's some milk and honey there, and it is sweet. But we still have to possess and occupy it. Uh, The problem with these guys, they say in verse 33, this to me says it all. Um, They said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now, this is a sad state of affairs. These guys have completely forgotten their identity. And I'll tell you, you'll never get in on identity if you don't know your identity. You'll never get in on destiny if you don't know your identity. You have to know your identity. If there's one thing you write down or remember today, please acknowledge identity. Who am I in Christ? I'm a new creation, he says. Who am I in Christ? Because your identity drives everything. Your identity will determine your destiny. Your identity, who you are and who you're not, just clarifies everything. The 10 spies forgot about their identity. And so for you and I, it's the same thing. Identity drives the equation. Identity is so important. If you're a note-taker, your third point, it's not about who I am. It's about whose I am. It's not about who I am. It's about whose I am. When David took out his giant, he's like, it's not because I, I used to watch you know, the sheep and I'm some amazing kid. 
I know whose I am. I'm a son of the Most High God, and you can't do what you're doing. He doesn't tolerate that. So he's going to use me, giant Goliath, to take you out today. And all Israel will know that God is the living God. It's not who you are. It's whose you are. And the problem with not having your identity down, here's the dilemma with identity. When you don't have your identity down, you do the same thing. I'll do the same. We'll all do the same thing that the 10 spies, they see other people as too big and see themselves as too small. When you see other people as too big, and I'm not talking about a pride humility sense. No, no, we walk in total humility. But when you see everybody else is too big, oh no, I can't do it. I'll never get anywhere because everyone's too big and I'm just too small. God's like, are you, am I your God? And are you my son? Are you my daughter? Because if God is for you, who can be against you? I mean, you can't look at the world as too big and yourself too small. When God is on your side, when God is on your side, And when you're on God's side, no weapon formed against us will prosper, the word says. There's a reality of power, and there's a reality in identity. It's not about who I am, it's whose I am. And we think of other people as too big and us too small, that's where we get to pull over. And I'll tell you what, that's exactly what the devil wants you to think. That's an obstacle he will throw at you. He will tell you, here's why you can't fulfill that destiny. (laughs) Here's why you can't have that inheritance. Here's why you won't get into that land of promise and that calling. Because this is too big and you're just too small. And some people believe that. And they turn around with that obstacle and they walk back to the desert. And they stay in the desert. And they don't get in on that land of promise. And it's just shattering to the potential. This moves on in verse 14. And this is what it says. In fact, this would be good if the worship team came up. Um, says, that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if we had only died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land, only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to be back in Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole assembly of Israel and gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole Israelite assembly talked about stoning them. And here you see where faith can be contagious, but so can doubt. These 10 spies, they spread their doubt. And I would say that when we look at Our problems and our obstacles, guys, we are no different from Israel on how we see them and how we spread them. What they spread was contagious. Your faith is contagious. How many times have you had somebody, when you're going through a struggle, a brother, sister, a friend in the faith, encourage you in the faith because they saw something that you didn't see and it was contagious. Has that ever happened to you? It happens to me, and I love it. When you're going through and you're faced with a dilemma and you're not really sure how you navigate it and somebody speaks into your life 
with a level of faith and their faith is contagious and they remind you of the promises of God and they remind you of how faithful he's been before and they remind you that he's calling you to hope in a future and it gets you through the other side. The same is true with doubt. You have people speaking doubt into your life, why it can't be done and why you're too small and everything else is too big if they're walking by sight, not by faith. Be careful because that can be contagious too. But in this passage, these giants, they represent the obstacles. And life has plenty of them. And we're going to be knocking them down one by one in the coming weeks. The, the reality is, or the question to ask, are, are these giants going to knock you down or are you going to be knocking them down? Are you going to identify your giants? I hope you take this next season to truly come to terms with your giants. The giants in your life might not be the same as the person next to you, but we all have giants in our life. And we serve a giant slaying God. In fact, it's been said, if there are no giants in the land, you're probably in the wrong land. There's supposed to be giants in the land. The land of promise has some giants. That's not a bad thing. But we serve a giant slaying God. And so there's going to be giants. We're not, you know, ignorant of giants. We don't ignore their reality. But we interpret them differently. And we understand whose we are. And we know our identity. So yes, there are giants, and we're going to be talking about them. And I want to just close in prayer, but the downside is this, guys, in closing. The sad reality of this story is as the doubt was spread, it didn't affect them, it affected those around them. And the problem is not only did they not get into the promised land, they spent the rest of their life wandering in the desert until they died. Now, I don't know about you, we're we're not here today because we want to wander, We're here today because we want to walk in the promises of God and get in on his will. Amen? The only way we're going to do it is by faith and obedience to what God is saying. And if we don't know our identity and we don't interpret obstacles differently, if we don't come to terms with giants and have the kind of faith to know we serve a giant slaying God, we can be like them. Christians who love God and have eternity accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Beautiful, but never walking in the fulfillment of what he has and just kind of wandering around for 40 years more in the desert until we die. I don't know about you, I don't want to live my life just holding on until Jesus gets back. I don't want to live my life gripping the steering wheel, going, oh, hurry, Lord, come back, come back, come back. I can't handle this anymore. I don't want to live my life that way. I want to live my life saying, God, I want to walk in the fullness of destiny, of promise, of future, of the hope. I want to walk in the works that you created us for. We want to walk in, do you guys want to walk in the fullness of that? Amen. That's the abundant life. That's what he's called us to. And so I'm going to close in prayer. We got to remember, guys, if God is for us, who can be against us? There are obstacles in the land, and there are giants, and we're not ignorant of them, but we know whose we are, and we're going to spend this next season identifying these giants one by one and knocking them down with the sword of the Spirit and the power of God, and I'm hoping and praying that on the other side, we've personally come to terms with some very legitimate, serious giants in our life. And we've walked right through them in the authority of God. You guys up for that journey? It's going to be fun. Put your boots on. Uh, Mighty God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. I pray, Lord God, in this area of giants, Lord, you just get us ready. Begin to reveal. Begin to expose. Your word says your spirit knows all things and searches all things. And Lord, you have a plan, a promise, a destiny. You've got works that you've established. And it says in Ephesians, from the foundations of the world, you have plans for us and works that we're supposed to walk in. 
You also say in Psalm 39 that you also have this destiny already laid out before one of our days came to being. Jeremiah says that you have plans for us. They're not to harm us. They're to prosper us and give us a hope and a future. Besides heaven, which is going to be glorious. Heaven, you're going to wipe away every tear from our eye and it's going to be glorious. But Lord, there is some land of promise that you have for us. There's some destiny you want us to walk in. And there is going to have, there's going to be some uh, uh, effort to take the land, but you're going to be with us. And Lord, we do not want any longer any giants or obstacles to stop us in the pursuit of what you have in our lives personally and what you have for this church and what you have for this city, God. So would you do a new work in our lives that we would recognize obstacles differently, we would see them, we would interpret them in faith, we would interpret them in our identity in you, and we would walk, Lord, in the authority and the power you have for your people. I also want to pray if there's any who haven't begun that journey of faith, where, where, where there's been a definite single day in history where Jesus becomes the Lord, not just a, a, a miracle worker and, a, and one sent by God, but literally the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the grave to take away all of my sins and to literally give me a new start. New beginnings only start with the Lordship of Jesus. Everything else is just a band-aid. And Lord, let us not go through life just putting on band-aid after band-aid. Let us go to you that you would redeem us in a moment, Lord. And I just want to pray with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. If there's someone today, it's time that you know it's time for the fresh start. You, you know it's time for a new beginning. And only Jesus, the resurrected one, can give you that new beginning. He says, behold, I make all things new. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to agree with you in prayer this morning. Is there anybody who says it's time for that new beginning? Oh, amen. Anybody else wants a new beginning? Yes. Amen. Anybody else? It's time for a new beginning. You know the way it's going is the bandit approach, and you need, you need the power of the resurrected Jesus in your life. Amen. Let's uh, ask God in that area. Lord, for those who raise their hand, you say, behold, I make all things new. You say, if we believe in our heart and confess, Lord, that you're Lord, that we'll be saved. We believe you died on a cross and rose from a grave. Lord, we ask you take away every sin, known or unknown, but we ask for that new beginning. We don't have it down, but today's the day that we want to turn and follow you. We do want that commitment. And although we're not perfect people, Lord, and this side of heaven we won't be, we are committed to walking in your word and your spirit. Lord, I just thank you for those decisions. I pray you'd seal some beautiful things in hearts. As our prayer team comes up to pray for people after services, come up and be encouraged in the faith. And anybody else with a prayer need at all, come up and see our prayer team. I'm sure there's areas that were revealed in this regarding struggle, regarding faith, regarding obstacles. Maybe some right now are having a, a struggle in finances. Some are having struggle in relationships. Some are having obstacles in, in employment. Some are having uh, obstacles in, 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 in where we live and paying rent or mortgages or foreclosures. Some where there's all kinds of problems. Some are having health-related problems where you were saying, God, this is an obstacle. It's a giant right now, and I want to get through it, but I don't, I don't get it right now. So just come to the prayer team and pray and watch what God will do. But Lord, we love you. We praise you. We exalt you. You are a good God. Let us be a people of destiny, and let us no longer get ripped off or hindered by the obstacles and the giants in our life. We glorify you, and we thank you that you're a giant slaying God. We praise you for that. We want to walk in your love and your power. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.